Today I'm speaking about people of the Advent hope. People of the Advent hope. Now reading comes from Isaiah 61. We'll be reading from verses 1 to verses 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release of the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, to display His glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. <clears throat> We've been speaking over the last two weeks on the Advent readings and the Advent messages the first week I spoke about uh, this powerful scripture that we find in Isaiah 64 verse 1 where the writer says, and he uses these words, he says, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. We spoke about that in the context of the cry that we have even today as we see the darkness in the world, we see the challenges of this world, the pain and the suffering. And there's a, a yearning inside of us for God to come, to God to break into our reality and to be a part of what is going on in our world and to bring deliverance. Last week we spoke about John the Baptist and preparing the way of the Lord. And we said something interesting. We said, God has come and we're not in some kind of a loop where every year he is born again. We know that he is born. And we know that he lived and that he died. And we just revisit this time in our liturgical year to remember the birth of Jesus, to acknowledge that he has come, to acknowledge that he did die for us, and we have a hope in that. But in preparing ourselves for God, we also need to acknowledge the fact that we are sinful people and that we are desperately in need of a Savior. In the same way we look at the world and understand that the world is desperately in need of a Savior, we understand we too, as individuals, live in the sinful world, find ourselves tainted by the sin of this world, and we too need a Savior to come. The underlying theme that we find ourselves dealing with is that the world is a mess. I'm sure there's agreement in that. The world is a mess, and we desperately are in need of a Savior. Some of the passages that people often use in Advent, uh, a scripture that they like to go to, and, 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 and a message that is common during Advent, is this concept of light that pierces the darkness. We see that a lot in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 5. He actually speaks about that. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness does not overcome it. And this, this picture of this baby that is born in Bethlehem, this, this Christ child, is this concept that in this midst of this dark time where the people are suffering and there's oppression and there's the expectation of a Savior, this child is born, which represents a light that shines into darkness and the darkness has to flee because the light has come. The question we have, however, is we know that Jesus has come. We know that he has died, but we also know that he has ascended. 
And so now we live in this interim period where we're trying to figure out how do we live between the first advent and the second advent? How do we find hope in the season? Because in a sense, we could almost be saying to ourselves, are we not back to the place where we are like even the Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, would you tear open the heavens? Because we feel that, we relate to that. But then there is the Christ child that has come. So we are not pre-Christ, we are actually post the birth and the death and the resurrection of Christ. How do we live in this interim period? I'm going to give you a brief some of you doubted me at that moment. It's okay. It'll be brief. Chronology of hope. And I want to just take, not a comprehensive, just go through a couple of key points about as people of hope, how we see hope unfold through Christ and through the Word and through Scripture. Isaiah 61, we've just read that passage and it speaks about the Spirit of the Lord that comes down. This is a powerful, powerful concept. This is a messianic kind of prophecy pointing to somebody that will come. Now we read this and we read Isaiah 61, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor to comfort all the mourn. And we read it within the concept of a post-Christmas, post-Easter, post-Ascension. We read it in the context. It's always easier to know how things turn out when you've seen what's happened. We live with uncertainty. The reason we get anxious is because we don't know how things will work out. Right? One of the biggest fears and the biggest anxieties we have is not, is not the fact that we got through the 1990s, you know. We live with the fact that we're, we're living in a time when we say, well, how will this year turn out? How will next year turn out? How will this decade turn out? I was listening to somebody this week who was talking about the fact that that's exactly where it comes from. We talk about the good old days, you know, the good old days when we lived in. But when you were in those days, you felt the same anxiety, the same sense of uncertainty. We had the same things we had to deal with. Well, not the same, but we still had things we had to wrestle with. But looking back, we know, well, life turned out okay. So we think, oh, those were great times. Well, not when you lived them. What if you read that passage of Scripture and you had no recollection? In other words, you had no idea about the Messiah. In other words, if you were in a, a, the context of this writer, you were in a dark place, this is post-Babylon exile, and you are reading this, and Jerusalem is in ruin, the temple is in ruin, and you've got to rebuild this nation, and you walk in and you go, what are we going to do? We can look back at Jesus, we can look back at the, the, the Christ child, these people are just listening to a prophecy that says the Spirit of the Lord will come upon somebody and something is going. How do we find hope in that? This is the anticipation, the expectation of hope, a hope that will come without seeing it, without knowing what it is, without knowing what it's going to look like. There is the people reading this, understanding this in real time are going, we don't know what it is. Now, if we read Isaiah, and N.T. Wright speaks about this. We understand that in Isaiah, it speaks about God having this mighty right hand. This kind of strength of God. This is the strength of God. God will come. God will bring deliverance. But the way Isaiah writes this is in passages like this. I think it's Isaiah 11 as well. The, the branch of Jesse. It's, yes, the mighty hand and the arm of God will come and bring deliverance. But it's going to come through a person. It's going to come through a someone, not a something. It's going to be a someone. 
And so all these people are looking at, when is the someone coming? But this is the anticipation, the expectation that there is hope. We just don't know what that hope looks like. And when the hope came, it did come. But it didn't come in the way that people expected that it would come. And a lot of the time, people didn't understand that the Spirit of the Lord did in fact come. They missed it. So the first thing is we have the anticipation, the expectation of hope, which we see in Isaiah. Then we have the fulfillment of hope. We can go across to Luke chapter 4. A direct link between these two scriptures. In Luke chapter 4, if you understand the context of this, in Luke chapter 3, we see that Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit comes down upon him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Then as we come into Luke chapter 4, the early parts before this, he's led by the Spirit into the desert. Not fun. Lord, would you lead me by your Spirit, but not into the desert. Led by the Spirit into the desert, where he's tested. He goes through the, the testing, the temptation of Jesus. He comes out of that. He then goes to this place, a synagogue, I believe. It says he comes to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. Then he stands up to read, and they give him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. They give it to him. He unrolls the scroll, and he finds the place. He looks for the place where it says, Isaiah 61. And then he reads it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, send me to proclaim release of the captives, recover the sight of the blind, let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. <coughs> then he does something radical. He says to them, and today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What's Jesus saying? I am the hope that you have been waiting for. Now, I need to tell you, if I stood here today and said, I am the hope. You see, you're laughing just by me saying that because you know. There's no hope in me. But let me tell you something. There is hope in Christ. But, but here's the thing. Isaiah 61. What we also don't always understand, if you, if you unpack that scripture, Jesus is the fulfilled, the expected hope. He, is the, he comes, he fulfills that hope. But as you go to Luke chapter 4, he goes away from there and we actually see Isaiah 61 unfold in his life. Luke is showing us, this guy didn't just stand up and say, hey, I'm the guy. He said, he claimed to be the Isaiah 64 Messiah. He claimed to be the hope of Isaiah, the, the prophesied Messiah that would come. And then he walked out and he showed people that he was, in fact, that very person. If you read the Gospels, you read Scripture, you understand. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God comes upon this particular person. Matthew chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, John chapter 1, all record that the Spirit of God fell upon this man. Yesterday, somebody, somebody asked the question. We, we had a great meeting yesterday morning. What is the purpose of the Spirit coming upon Jesus? And there's, there's many different uh, things we can say there. But one of those, it was God's way of pointing out, this is my chosen one. And the Spirit of God comes upon. We see that in all the Gospels. What does He do? He preaches the good news. He says that a new kingdom has come. 
a new kingdom, not a kingdom of this world, a kingdom of another world. There is a new covenant that has been established. We are establishing a new covenant. There is the forgiveness of sins. There is hope. Even though you live in darkness, a great light has shone into this darkness. It says release of the captives. We see him actually casting out demons and releasing people and setting them free. Did Jesus heal those that are blind? There's the recovery of sight of the blind. It is recorded in the Gospels. And it proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. The Jubilee year, there is a new covenant. In Christ, there is good news. Something has come. Now the Jewish rulers expected the hope and fulfillment of Isaiah. They looked for it. And Jesus says, here it is. But here's the thing. It came. It was there. But it didn't come as they expected it to be. So there was hope. There was the fulfillment. There was a future. But it did not come the way they wanted or expected it to come. Think about that for a second. So we've got a problem. Our problem is that Jesus comes. He's born, he lives, he ministers, all the stuff is fulfilled, he dies, he ascends, and he's gone. Welcome to you and I, this is where we live. And so when I read Isaiah 64, we go, Lord, we need you to come back again, amen? And even though we have the first advent, we look to the second advent and say, we need a second advent. We need Christ to return. But, but where do we find hope today? Where, where, where is the hope? Where is the hope that we need to live today? Where is the hope of the world? Where do we find that hope? I'm really glad you asked that question. <laughs> I want us to go to John chapter 20. And this is the post-resurrection Jesus appears to the disciples. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Who shows up? Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Uh, when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And watch this. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, we're playing with this question, where is the hope in the world today? As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So where is the hope of the world? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 teaches us that we ourselves, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? We live in the era of the Holy Spirit. In my notes, I've got a little thing that I've pushed off. I just kind of like, I put these things down there for my own reference. John chapter 20, which we've read. And then I've got another note there that says Acts chapter 1 and 2. Why Acts chapter 1 and 2? 
Because when Jesus came, he brought hope. When he ministered, he gave hope. And then he ascended and he did not leave us without hope. He left us with the Holy Spirit. And so when it says the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, we now live in an era and in a time of the Holy Spirit where the Spirit is actually upon us and needs to be upon us in fullness. And if the Spirit is upon us, guess what? Where is the hope? You are the hope of this world because the Spirit of God dwells in you. But so often we're so busy living in desperation and we're living in a place of fear and we're living in a place of anxiety that we don't receive from God the hope that He wants to give us. That scripture in Isaiah 61 says it's the year of Jubilee. We should be embracing and stepping into the fullness of the Spirit so that we too, as the world looks in, they see the church, they see, not the church, the building, they see the people of God filled with the Spirit of God moving out into the world and bringing hope into a lost world. There's a challenge for us because I think so often we spend a lot of time looking for the coming of the Lord. We're so consumed with the, the, the fact that the Lord will actually be coming the second advent that we forget the first advent and we forget the giving of the Spirit and the ongoing presence of God through His Holy Spirit that works in our lives and through our lives. You know, we talk about this idea that there's darkness in this world and we need darkness to shine. How's darkness? Where is the light that's going to dispel the darkness in this world? Well, this is Matthew tells us that you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others. Where's the light coming from? Well, maybe there's a responsibility that God has put upon us, but we spend our times looking into heaven saying, come back, come back, tear open the heavens, come down. And we need that. Yes, we need that. But how much are we missing that God wants to do in us and through us because we're too busy looking into the sky and not looking into what God has already given us internally? In John chapter 20, 21, 22, as the Father has sent me, as the Father sent Jesus, as he came to earth, as he was the suffering servant, he was the Messiah, he was the branch of Jesse, he came in, he was anointed, the Spirit was upon him. So he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, I'm sending you out. And we have the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in us, Romans 8, 11. And that same Spirit is to be used to bring hope into this world. When we look for hope in this world, we need to understand we are the hope of this world. And we need to step up into that. Not only do we have hope through the Advent child, but through the indwelling Spirit, we are the hope of Christ in this world. Let me draw things to a close. Isaiah 61, we have the Old Testament anticipation, the expectation of hope. Waiting for the first advent, waiting for the Messiah. The New Testament in Luke chapter 4, we have the New Testament fulfillment of that hope. And then we live in this era now, <clears throat> which is the continuation of that hope through the Holy Spirit that Christ has given us, God has given us, we have been given, we need to learn. We need to learn how to live into the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we have been empowered, and we can talk more about that at another stage. We have been empowered to be the good news, to see and to do what God has asked us to do in this world. But there's a fourth part of our hope, and that is the consummation of our hope. 
when he will return. We see that in Thessalonians chapter 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13, he says, We do not grieve as others do who have no hope. And he's saying to people that live with the Spirit, people that have the Spirit, people that are ministering in the face of persecution, yes, our second Advent hope is not taken from us. We don't grieve as people who have no hope. We have a hope. He will return. He is coming back. God will bring with Him those who have died. But we have to learn how to live into that hope today via the Holy Spirit as well. In Thessalonians the church is discouraged because the coming of the Lord has taken a while. Jesus said, I'm coming back and people are dying and they're saying, what do we do? We have loved ones. We thought he would come back and take the loved ones and we'd all be caught up in the sky with him. You said you're coming back. You never came back. Paul says, he is still coming back and the dead in Christ will rise first and will be met up with him. That's Thessalonians. And so he gives them hope through this concept of, yes, the second coming of Jesus. But if you go into John's gospel, we see something interesting. John's gospel, they deal with a very similar thing. They are a persecuted church trying to understand how they can also deal with the, the pressures that are on their life. God said he's coming back. He doesn't seem like he's come back. It's been a long time. What do we do now in the midst of this, this, this pressure? What do we do in the midst of this kind of persecution that we're feeling and then we see in John chapter 20, how he says he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And there's, there's an element in John's gospel where he's saying, actually, Jesus has come back. But he came back via his spirit, not discounting the second coming, but saying, you're underplaying the fact that when Jesus left, he breathed on you and said, here, receive the spirit. I'm sending you go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the way he brings hope to people is to say, hey, you have the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Find the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. And even though there's a delayed perusia, the delayed return of Christ, while we wait, we have the Spirit of God who gives us hope, gives us peace. Not only do we have hope for the future, but we have hope for today. Let me leave you with one challenge as we close and prepare our hearts. For communion in your life right now think about the people think about the relationships mothers fathers daughters children friends family colleagues we feel like we live in a place of darkness but who in your life right now that you can identify is in a truly dark place right now. Just think about that for a second. Who, is, who in your life right now, as I'm talking to you, maybe the Holy Spirit's bringing it to mind, or you're just remembering, there's a person that truly is going through a really dark time in their life right now. And then I want to ask you this question. Is it possible that you are the hope that they need? Is it possible that maybe God is saying to you today, I have put my spirit in you so that you can go into that dark place and be a light of love, of grace, and of mercy? Now, I don't know what it means for you. I don't know how this works. I don't know what your situation is. We need wisdom. We need understanding. But what we do know is that we've been given the spirit of God so that we can be the hope 
in this time, the hope that Christ has given us through the Holy Spirit, we can take that hope into a dark world. Matthew, you are the light of the world.